sad to the music. Um, I've heard from many of you uh, to get to preach these, uh, these sermons over the last kind of a, a, a healing thing to, uh, otherwise. So uh, I'm excited for maybe we'll see if we can squeak that in. But this is, this is our last Sunday. Um, how many of you have heard of Glenn Hansard or are familiar with his music? Two. Anybody else? Three? This is like, okay, so this is great. In the last service, there was w- nobody. In first service, there was one. So I'm like super excited. I feel like I'm introducing a friend. Um, th- I, I came to know uh, Glenn's music over the last 18 months, maybe two years. And uh, it has been a source of incredible inspiration. I, I've learned to love his music. Uh, he's Irish, just so uh, kind of introduce uh, you to him a little bit. He's Irish. He's from Dublin. He's a singer-songwriter. Um, Glenn dropped out of school when he was 13. Stay in school, kids. And dropped out of school when he was 13 to start playing music on the streets of Dublin to start busking. And uh, it turned out pretty well for him. He's a pretty gifted musician. Uh, some of you, if you've seen the movie Once, how many of you have seen the movie Once? There's a song called Falling Slowly. It's maybe his most popular song. He was in a, 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 a two-person um, a band, a duet with, um, um, I forget what her name was, but they were called The Swell Season. And so that's probably what he's most well-known for. But now he's a singer-songwriter. If you listen to him in interviews, he says, like, the holy trinity of influences musically in his life were uh, Van Morrison, Bob Dylan, and Leonard Cohen. So he kind of brings all of that. Most importantly, he has a red beard, so you know he's, like, trustworthy and good. Um, with the red beard, with slightly graying red beard. And um, he, has a, he has one song called Winning Streak that was really important for me over the last month or so as a Cleveland Indians fan. Like, this is a song, Winning Streak. So congratulations to the Kansas City Royals for breaking up the Indians' winning streak. And congratulations on your own one-game winning streak. Uh, well done. Well done. Um, so I want to read this. I want to read you the lyrics um, as we go into this. This is a song of lament. It's a song of, um, of just honesty and, and some pain. It's a song he wrote for a friend named Ezra who was diagnosed with colon cancer and had a really grim prognosis. And so um, here, here are the lyrics so you can have them in your mind. If we're going to make it across the river alive, we need to think like a boat and go with the tide. And I know where you've been has really left you in doubt of ever finding a harbor or figuring this out. And you're going to need all the help you can get. So lift up your arms now and reach for it. And reach for it. And what you'll notice is the song kind of, kind of peaks right in the middle with that line, reach for it. Then it begins to taper a bit. And take your time, babe. It's not as bad as it seems. You'll be fine, babe. Just some rivers and streams in between you and where you want to be. Watch the signs now. You'll know what they mean. You'll be fine now. Just stay close to me and make good hope. Walk with you through everything. This is Good Hope by Glenn Hansen. One, two. We're gonna make it 
across this river line You need to think like a boat And go with the tide And I know where you've been It's really left you in doubt ever find in a harbor a figure in the south and you're gonna need all the help you can get so lift up your arms now and reach for it Your time, babe. It's not as bad as it seems. You'll be fine, babe. It's just some rivers and streams in between. You and where you wanna be. And watch the signs now. You'll know what they mean. You'll be fine. Just stay close to me and make good hope Walk with you through everything your time, babe. It's not as bad as it seems. You'll be fine, babe. It's just some rivers and streams in between. You and where you want to be. And watch the signs now. You'll know what they mean. You'll be fine. Close to me and make good hope. Walk with you through everything. May the song of good hope walk with you through everything. This is, uh, I think of the four, this is my favorite video. And uh, I, I've watched it probably no less than 20 times. It was my third time this morning. Um, and every time I do, it's still, I find it moving. Every time I do, I still sort of um, see ways that, that the video itself is sort of crafted to help you sort of enter into the song, into the message of the song. How many of you notice his guitar? when he started playing. Did you notice that? What's significant about his guitar? Yeah, it's worn out. I mean, this massive hole um, in his guitar. This is uh, a guitar that 
he bought when he was 19 years old uh, after he was able to save up some money. And it's a Takamine NP-15, for those of you guitar buffs. And uh, he's sitting in the middle of the woods playing this old beat-up guitar. And, and there's something, again, really beautiful about that, that you have this guitar that you would look at and you would say, it's, just throw it away. Right? It's worthless. And yet it's still making beautiful music. And, and maybe that, like maybe that itself is a sermon for this morning. Um, that, that some of us feel because, because we have scars, because we have pain, because we have wounds, we really aren't valuable in God's hands. And, and I love the image of saying there is this thing that has a story to tell. This guitar has been played every day since he was 19. It has played songs that have made people dance. It has played songs of deep pain and brokenheartedness. And this, this instrument has a story to tell, and it is bruised, and it is beaten up, and it has scars to show, and it is still making beautiful music and inspiring people. Maybe you just need to hear this morning, you are not done making beautiful music. That, that it is actually our wounds, it is our wounds, it is our place of pain that can produce the most beautiful things in this world. Most of the time, beauty does not come from our place of strength. It doesn't come from our place where we have all of life together. The most beautiful things in the world come from a place of pain. Bob Dylan says this, behind every beautiful thing, you will find pain. And this is what artists know how to do. They know how to be honest about their pain. They know how to, how to name it. And they know how to convert it into something beautiful for us to see and to experience. This is the art of lament. This is what the Bible teaches us how to do, the art of lamentation. How many of you know there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations? It's hiding there in your Old Testament. Um, five poems. Lamentation is a book of poetry. It is five poems, and it is, they are poems of anguish and anger and despair. And, and it's there in your Bible. And the, even the word lamentations is this word, uh, it's, it's actually in Hebrew, it's the word how. It's, it kind of comes with this catch in your throat. It's akha, is how you say it. And so it's almost like the, the, the word lamentation is almost like getting punched in the stomach, akha. And it gets sort of this catch in your throat. It's this word how, how, how did it come to this? How is this where I ended up? How is this where we are right now? This is a question we ask when the bottom falls out, when we experience wounds and pain. The Bible will teach us this art of lament. And lament is doing the same thing that Glenn is doing in the song. It's the same thing that the best artists do, is it names their pain. That's what lamentation is. It's naming our pain. It's saying we're not going to hide it anymore. We're not going to repress it. We're going to bring it into the light of God's presence because we know that that is the only way it's ever going to get healed. The only way we will ever find healing for our wounds is if, first of all, we are honest about them. We cannot find healing with denial. And that is what the Bible teaches us how to do. And maybe we've forgotten, maybe I think as a church, as a culture, we've forgotten how to, to, to enter into lament. Lament is prayer, first and foremost. Honest, brutally honest prayer. And sometimes, like if, you're, if you've ever been reading the Bible... And it just makes you so uncomfortable because you're like, I'm not even sure it's okay to talk like that. 
If you interact with the Bible, you read the scriptures, you pray the scriptures, at some point, if you, I mean, if you're praying through the whole scriptures, you will at some point be confronted by the brutal honesty of it. Have you experienced this? And, and you'll find it especially in books like the Psalms. Over 60% of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. This is real people praying real pain about real loss. And they're, they're giving it to God. These are prayers of anguish and anger. In these ancient prayers, God is accused of all sorts of things. God is accused of abandonment. God is accused of falling asleep on the job. God is even accused of murder in the Psalms. You see, these Psalms, they don't just give us permission to pray these brutal, honest prayers. They give us the very words to do it. Lament is prayer. So let's take a, just listen to Psalm 22, Psalm 69. You can follow along if you want, but I'm going to read just a portion of this. And just, I I encourage you, I'm going to read a longer passage. Like, just keep your mind engaged. Keep listening to this prayer. Make it be your prayer. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I find no rest. Yet, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted in you, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man. I'm scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help me. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey. They open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax and it melts within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot sheared. My tongue, it sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and they gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Psalm 69, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. But I pray to you, Lord. In the time of your favor, in your great love, O oh God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Do not let the floodwaters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. My eyes fail searching for God. Have you ever felt like that? Like you, you just like... You, Words of another Irish musician, you've climbed the highest mountain, 
you've run through the field and you still haven't found what you're looking for? And the most famous Irish, Irish musician? Right? You ever felt like that? Like my eyes fail just looking for signs of God and I can't find them. We go through these seasons sometimes in our life. Pain, it does this to us. It can blind us from the evidence of God. Glenn Hansard, in, in the second stanza, he says, I know that where you've been, it's really left you in doubt of ever finding a harbor or figuring this out. You ever feel like you're just sort of floating at sea? Um, and, and there are times, like in your past, where you've been safe, you've been secure, you've been anchored, you've been in the harbor, and you've known, like, you're, you're, you're good. But right now, it just feels like you are floating at sea. And, and you honestly don't know where it's going to end. You don't know where the current is going to take you. You don't know how far the pain goes. You don't know where it stops. This is what despair, this is what pain does to us. Now, these kinds of prayers, these kinds of honest prayers, they can feel foreign to us because we've forgotten how to do them. As a culture, as a people of faith, we have forgotten how to do this. And I'm sad to say that not only do we live in a culture of denial, but the church has, has sort of perpetrated it. The church has bought into the culture of denial, um, where everything, like we, we feel like we, ha- we, we can't be honest about our pain, so we just kind of have to repress it and stuff it and go on. And we, then when people are hurting around us, we just offer them some simple platitudes in the middle of their pain to try to get them through it really quickly. Hey, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. And, and we can throw scriptures at people, like in the middle of pain. You know, God works everything to the good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. And there is a time and a place for that scripture, and the time and place is not when the bottom is falling out of somebody's life. There's a time for honesty and to name our pain before God. We live in a culture of denial, a culture that, is, that says things like, we don't talk about that. How many of you have ever gotten that? You've gotten the stiff arm from people. You've asked an honest question about faith, or you've, you've brought something up, um, and, and somebody has said, no, 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 we don't talk about that. Like, I've had people in my office who feel like, you know what, I'm having a crisis of faith, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm at this place where I'm in a harbor, or I, I've, I've left the harbor, and I'm just sort of floating at sea, and I feel like I have to leave, I have to abandon my faith in Jesus. Why? Well, because I have these questions, and I know that it's wrong to have questions. I said, who told you it's wrong to have questions? Well, everybody that I would ask these questions to, they just said, no, 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 we don't ask those kinds of questions here. Like when they, at church culture, you know, you're in a church culture where it's just like, no, 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 we don't ask those kinds of questions. And all of a sudden it feels like we're just getting pushed away further and further out to see we live in a culture of denial and sometimes the church perpetrates this. Um, we like to think about good things. We like to think about human progress. Like, it's amazing what people can do, right? Human, you get enough people and you put their minds together and we can solve any problem, right? Like yesterday, my sister, she's uh, in Ohio and she's engaged, uh, getting married in June to a guy in Australia. Um, And so yesterday, we're Skyping. I'm Skyping with my sister. We're sitting at my um, kitchen table and on the screen is my sister in Ohio, and she's FaceTiming with her fiancé in Australia, and we're all having a conversation on our screens in front of us. How amazing is that? Like things that you couldn't have dreamed of doing 20 years ago, you can now do. Human progress is amazing. And yet we're on the verge of like nuclear disaster. And yet in all, all the human progress, we realize that the last 100 years have spilled more human blood than all the previous centuries combined. 
And, and what lament does is it causes us, it forces us, it invites us to name the things that nobody else wants to look at because we know it is the only path to healing. It's the only path to healing. We need to relearn how to do this. This is what lamentation does. There's this line right in the middle of the song where the song kind of like crescendos and his voice kind of breaks. He's singing with so much passion. He says, you're going to need all the help you can get, so lift up your arms now and reach for it. And reach for it. Like, this is lament. Lament is that reaching out when everything inside of us says, no, 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 like I need to do this alone. And this is what pain does to us. There is a lie that pain tells us. And the lie is it says, you, you need to deal with this by yourself. You need to get this figured out first. Don't talk about this. Don't, don't be honest about this. Pain, what it wants to do is it wants to keep us in the bondage of isolation. It wants to pull us into ourselves. And the message of the song and the message of the Psalms is to reach out for healing in the middle of the pain with all the strength we can muster to reach out. I love in the song, um, you've got this guy, he's sitting in the woods playing this sad song on a beatable guitar, right? And then he gets to this line and reach for it. And then the song kind of mellows a little bit and the camera starts to pan out. And what do you notice when the camera pans out? He's not alone. Like he's not alone at all. He's got somebody playing the violin behind him. Somebody playing the cello over here. Somebody playing the bass. He's got this whole ensemble of people surrounding him singing his song. If we as a church, as a people of God, will learn to lament, will learn to be honest about our pain, do you know what we'll find? We're not alone. That we're surrounded by people who are going through the exact same things we are. Pain wants to say, you're the only one. You're the only one who struggles with this. You're the only one who struggles with debilitating depression. I mean, where it's just like, it feels like there is a weight on my chest constantly and I can't shake it. And, and I feel this shame that says, you know what, I, I need to take some medication for this. And I almost like, I don't want to talk about it, but then all of a sudden I just, I, I have to. I have to tell somebody. And this other person looks at you in the eyes and says, me too. Me too. Can I tell you about the season of my life? I've been there. Anxiety that just sort of keeps you almost chained to the bed in the morning, and it is everything you can do just to get out of bed and to get dressed and to get out the door in the morning. And, and, and you feel like, man, it, this shouldn't be the case, and yet it is. And if you're honest, it is the case. And if you open up about it, you find somebody who's sitting right next to you who says, you know what, me too. I've been there. And as a pastor, like this is, one of the, this is one of the places of holy ground that I am so privileged to be able to step into is I get to hear people's stories and when they're finally honest about it, I get to just, would you be willing to talk with this other person? Because this other person has walked the exact same journey you're walking. And you find you're not alone, but as long as we keep it, as long as we stuff it, as long as we repress it, it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy because we will be all alone. But when we're honest, we not only open ourselves up to honesty, but we open ourselves up to healing, to healing from God and from others. There's this beautiful practice. Uh, you see it in the Bible, but it, Jewish culture has this practice of sitting shiva. How many of you have heard this? 
sitting shiva. Uh, it's a seven-day period of mourning. And, and uh, the Hebrews did this so beautifully. Uh, you actually find it in Job chapter 2, uh, verses 11 to 13. Job, the bottom falls out of his life, loses his family, his livelihood, his health. He's sitting in a pile of ashes. He puts on this burlap sack, and he's covered in painful wounds. And his friends come to him. Now, his friends really, like, they screw things up a little bit later. Uh, they're totally um, not comforting him in the way that it's meant to be. Uh, but at first, they're, they're, they're beautiful. They come, and they, three friends, they come, and they sit with him in the ashes for seven days, and nobody says a word. This is sitting Shiva. Uh, this practice of just sitting in the pain. What would happen if the people of faith, if the church, if journeymen in that church, when we saw somebody in pain, First of all, we didn't walk away because, you know what, it's uncomfortable and I don't quite know what to say and I'm not going to be able to say the right things and so I'm just going to dodge it. What if we weren't those people? What if we were the people who actually moved toward the pain and moved toward this person and we just joined them in it? And we didn't feel the pressure to have to fix it. We didn't feel the insecurity that says, man, I've got to say the right things and I don't quite know what to say. And we just sort of silenced all that and we said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to be going to sit with you. There are times where we dishonor the pain by speaking. Like that, that we totally dishonor the other person's experience by speaking words. And the very best thing we can do is say nothing at all and to just be. And you can look at somebody and you can say, you know what? You don't have to acknowledge my presence. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to look at me. But I want you to know that you are not alone. You are not alone. What if we were the kind of church who did this? Um, this is what the scriptures will lead us to. Um, there is this hidden hope in lamentation that when we are honest, when we bring it into the light, we actually open ourselves up for healing as well. Jesus said these words, blessed are those who mourn for they will be, what did Jesus say? Depressed. Right? Is that what Jesus said? Blessed are those who mourn for they will be Debbie Downers their whole life. What do you say? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Like Jesus is speaking truth to us. It is, if you want comfort, you have to mourn. You cannot bypass mourning to get to comfort. Lament is the only path that leads to comfort. And this, this, is, um, this is the path to healing. In 2 Corinthians 3, verses 1, uh, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 7. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. For our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you will share in our comfort. You will share in our comfort. So um, this is the path to healing, to name our pain, to be honest about our pain, and to bring it into the light of Christ. We have a Savior who has suffered with us. These psalms I read, these are psalms that Jesus prays. My hands are pierced. My side, my feet are pierced. My bones are on display. They cast lots for my clothes. That we have a Savior 
who has entered into our world of, of suffering and pain. And when we bring our wounds to the wounds of Christ, what happens is our wounds are not multiplied. They are healed. They're healed. Would you name your pain? At the end of your outline that's in your bulletin, um, there's, there's a place of just white space. Would you do the hard work of just, just honesty, of saying, Here, here's what hurts? Here's where the brokenness is. Here's where the woundedness is. Would you name it? And would you turn it into prayer? Just an, just an honest prayer to God. God already knows it's there, but there's something about naming it in prayer that opens us up for healing. Um, if you would like prayer, we have, we have a prayer ministry um, where, where this happens. Because what happens a lot of times is when we don't know how to lament, we stuff it, we repress it, and like an, an, a wound that sort of scabs over, but the infection is still there. We go on, but this thing still hurts. And we try to pretend it doesn't exist, we try to pretend it isn't there, but it is. And if we're honest, it's still there and it's still controlling us. And so what happens sometimes years later, relationships start to fall apart, uh, families start to experience the conflict, uh, we, we just life becomes unmanageable, and then we go seek professional help. And it's a wonderful thing to do, to talk to somebody. But what the professional will do is help you go back to that point of pain, help you sort of dig through all the layers of scar tissue to get to that place of woundedness and, and, and that sort of original wound, that infection, and will help you actually get healing for it so that you can go on free. This is why this matters. God, we uh, are so grateful that you, Lord, that you suffered um, so that we would know that we do not suffer alone, that we trust, Lord, that it is by your wounds that we are healed. And so, God, we, um, we want to be people who are honest, brutally honest. We want to be people who learn how to pray all of life, who just give it to you as worship. And so, God, give us the courage to do that. Help us to feel the presence of your Holy Spirit leading us to these pieces of your Scripture that we need for our own healing. God, as we are honest, as we bring these uh, points of pain to you, we pray that you would be the great counselor and that you would take them, that you would heal us as only you can do. And God, would you fill us with comfort so that we can comfort others who are in need. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to do a song in response that we did a couple years